Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. We're happy that you're tuning in with us today. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and today's podcast is all about cats' homing instinct. But before we jump into that, I must introduce and welcome my handsome husband and comedic sidekick, Dewey Vaughn. (laughs) I don't know how comedic I am, but hello, my beautiful wife. I hear it all the time. (laughs) Hello to all those cat fans out there. And thank you for those that are saying that. (laughs) It may be comic relief. Maybe you want relief from all the comedy. (laughs) So this is a great and different type of topic. I'm really uh, interested in hearing and learning some of this because this is the type of stuff you see on Disney and some of the movies that are out there. You know, homing instinct is is very interesting. I I can't wait to kind of talk about it, but let's just talk about where this came from. Mm -hmm. Amanda sent us in. And her question is, do cats have a homing feature? For example, I've heard stories of cats finding their owners after moving several miles away. They were maybe left behind or maybe surrendered to a shelter, adopted to a new home, and still found their original owners. I'm sure not really, um, I, I don't know that cats have that uh, possessive drive, but I find it fascinating. Uh, let's 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 start by telling us how you define this as homing feature because you know I think we we rescued or were part of a rescue at one time a kitty that was found in Dallas and they were uh, their actual home was back in Colorado so you know I don't know that has anything to do with what happened here but was that cat looking for its original owners or what was happening there but. Very interesting yeah, topic. I can think of a, a lot of different things to talk about there. So I'll let you tell us what you think homing feature is. That's a that and that was a good story. And, and um, we have no idea how that cat got to Dallas. It turned up in the shelter, microchipped, thank goodness. And uh, they contacted the owners in Colorado and they said, oh, my gosh, my cat's been missing for a year. No idea how it got to Texas. It was an indoor-outdoor cat, but they backed up to a big green area. So, you know, not like it would get in a truck by accident or something like that. I don't know. Maybe somebody, you know, when you let your cat outside, you're kind of open to all kinds of things, which we'll talk about. But one of the things is someone else adopting it. You know, they go, well, if you don't care enough about your cat to bring it inside, then, you know, I'm going to take it in. And maybe they moved to Texas and he got out again. I don't know. But the the owners, we've fostered him and the owners um, flew down and picked him up. And it was quite the spectacle. You know, those kinds of things make the news and stuff. But but let's talk about that homing feature be and and what homing instinct is and it's 
it's basically what you know what Amanda gave us in her example. It's when animals navigate towards an original location through unfamiliar areas, which is what makes this so interesting. And you know, you probably think of pigeons when you think of a a homing instinct. You know, if you establish a, a, a pigeon coop and you let them out, they'll fly around. But they'll come back home every time. and But pigeons find their way using a low-frequency sound wave. And geese and other migratory birds use visual cues. So it's interesting that, that each species' homing feature or, or homing instinct kind of works a little differently. And I had that experience with pigeons. I had a, a friend here in town that was complaining about all the pigeons at his house. And so he'd made these drop traps and would catch them. And I said, I want the pigeons. I would love to have a flock of pigeons. And so he caught me like four pigeons and I put them in my cat run and I left them there for a couple weeks. And I thought, this will be awesome. I can let them out. They'll come back and all that. And I let them out and they were so beautiful. They were they were mostly white and they kind of twinkled in the sun as they flew out and they flew up and did exactly what I thought. They kind of circled around the house and I thought, oh, good, they're going to land on the roof and this will be their new home and won't this be fun. They did like two circles and then they took off into town and went right back to his house. <laughs> <laughs> and that <laughs> afternoon, he called. This was Steve, by the way, and and Steve called it. He goes, "Those damn pigeons are back over here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it must take. You know, I, they obviously have some really strong homing instinct in theirs. You know, and that's that's interesting because you you hear of dogs. I mean, that's another movie that we've all can identify with, like Lassie, you know, or something like that, where. You know, they they get left behind or something and then find their way to to the to their owners. And it's it's really interesting to kind of think about in, in that regard. A lot of animals I know, you know, deer have uh, kind of a way to stay in a particular territory and most animals kind of stay in a particular area of, of place and they always find their way back if they get get lost and and come back you wonder you know like you said it could be visual cues but you know a kitty that's in indoors outdoors that doesn't know where the parents are going this is really what other species uh that you know of have homing instincts um are humans considered to have it i mean uh, that would be uh, i would be interested to hear that i know we're off topic a bit of cats for a minute but i'm curious yeah, and and actually, there's there's research to back up that yes, humans do have a homing instinct, but of course, it varies in strength from one person to the next, because we've evolved away from needing to use it that much, really. But they say that most people experience it to some degree, and it and it and it's like it's like when you know what direction you're facing and which direction you need to go in to reach your destination. But, you know, I'm not sure mine is really strong. I would have thought so, but I tend to visually orient on things like mountain ranges out here or tall buildings in a big city. And, you know, if you plumped me out in the middle of nowhere, other than looking at the sun, I don't know that I could tell you that I instinctively know 
you know, that's north, that's south. I know where the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and I can figure it out from there, depending on what time of day it is. And then if I live in a place, I begin to orient visually. But, but yeah, humans um, technically do have a homing instinct. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Um, I have spent a lot of time out in the woods and have, you know, I've, I've used both kind of an instinctive, directive uh, nature, and I've used visual cues. And then, you know, I was in survivalist in the military, did survival training. And there was a lot of things there that you kind of learn about how you find out where you are, how many miles you've gone, you know. Yeah, but see, sure. that's observation. That's not yeah. really instinct. That's that's using a system, you know, to figure yeah. out where you are and where things are. That's that's. But that would be interesting, isn't it? Wouldn't it make it make sense? Maybe they also kind of have some of that. We don't know. We can't talk to them and ask them. But maybe they have right. some sort of systematic component that that looks like an instinct, but maybe it's really more about smell. Maybe they have a system of smell and know where things are. But mm-hmm. anyway, what's the furthest uh, a cat has traveled to get back home that you know of? Well, there's so many stories about this, and and most of them, you know, anecdotal. But there was a family that lived in Australia who went on an extended vacation, like they were gone a year. I don't know the circumstances Mm -hmm. around all this, but they took their cat, Howie, to stay with relatives who lived more than a thousand miles away. So clearly they, you know, were driving with Howie, dropped him off at their relatives, and then, you know, went on to their vacation and then when they went to get him the family said he'd run away and they were really distraught because Howie was an indoor only cat and they they just assumed for sure you know this cat's not going to survive outside but one year later he turned up back home and it took him that full 12 months to cross the thousand miles of Australian outback which is just amazing and you know i'm sure there are stories of cats traveling even farther distances but that was one that was you know was documented and and very odd i mean that's a long 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 distance especially since the cat didn't go by foot out the thousand miles you know it it went in a car and then found its way back home that's just amazing just that amazing. that is just amazing i mean uh, it, it puts me at awe thinking of, of how a cat goes a mm-hmm. thousand miles. I and mean, I think that's I think that's why Amanda asked this question because you hear these stories and it's like yeah. that's just impossible. You know how how could that possibly happen? Wow. And yeah. Can it? How can that really really happen? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, look. Let's just think mathematically. How far can a cat travel in a day? You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine them traveling more than a mile or two a day. I mean, oh, they yeah, they know, travel much more than that. But that's a lot. I mean, because they still have to eat and drink. Right. And, you right. know, and, but, you know, and you, sleep, you know, like you say, they stay they do a lot of sleeping. So, you know, by the time they get distracted and hunt and eat and mm-hmm. and, and sleep and all of that. Wow, but if you do the math perfect. on that, a thousand miles in 12 months, that means he had to be going about seven miles a day. That's wow. a lot. Consistently. That's a lot. 
yeah. for 12 months. And you're right, because they've still got to they got to hunt and, and get food and things like that. Makes me wonder if the family didn't go, oh, here he is. He showed up after they left and they drove him home and just dropped him off. Yeah. They were <laughs> yeah. Feeling bad. No? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that story doesn't have quite the, maybe it's not all, all about that. I mean, it's a good story and it, it makes, makes sense, but mathematically it just seems like they would need more time in the day and they sleep 16 hours if that's still the case. You well, know, he probably and, he clearly didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, he co- clearly couldn't have. I mean, by the time, like you said, eat, drink, you mm-hmm. know, hunt, and and then and then stay on track to go seven miles, and that's seven miles in a straight line direction, not, right? Not counting, you know, how he would have gone. You true. Know, probably astray this direction or that direction. That's but, true because that's probably as the crow flies, and yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. It probably was a lot more than a thousand miles. Yeah, I, I would think. Yeah, Str- and so, and then to not get eaten along the way too. Correct. All the predators <laughs> yeah. and or stuff run that over would be hunting or, him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you know, going up to other strangers, you know, and being fed by them, and maybe going home with them. You know? Right. How often right. was he tempted? He must to have go, really okay. loved those people. <laughs> yeah. How often was he tempted to stay with this one or that one? <laughs> yeah, I think Pico would have just taken the first bet, best yeah. deal he could find along the way. <laughs> I think any cat would have done that, right? Because they you would have think. said, "Okay, you know, you look like a good home. I'm staying with you." Okay, forget those other people. <laughs> right, you would think. <laughs> you give me a good bed and some food, and I forget the other people. <laughs> well. <laughs> So how does a cat's homing ability really work? Well, there's very little solid scientific evidence on this. And and it's and it's often said that they can perceive direction using something beyond the five ordinary senses of taste, smell, sight, touch, and hearing. But I think there's more to it than that. You know, cats really do have a keen sense of observation. And they possess excellent memory, especially long-term memory. And they have a super strong sense of direction, so they quickly orient themselves and, and go the right direction. They know what direction to go. And, you know, like you said earlier, it's so much about scent. They're also leaving scent traces along the way because they have scent glands in their feet and, of course, urine and feces and when they rub up on things. But, but again, that's if a cat is going out on his own and finding his way back home. That's not, I was taken by car a thousand miles, dropped off, and then walked home. So, you know, that this makes sense, you know, that finding their way home, they are leaving their own scent, and and their noses are so, so, so sensitive that they can smell where they've walked. So, so I get that, but. So you say there's little scientific research. So what does the research that's been done tell us about cats' homing instinct? What does that look like? There were, you know, I found two significant studies that were done, both of them very old. One was done in 1922 by a professor, Francis, I don't know, Francis something, Herrick, and, and it was called The Homing Powers of the Cat. And he observed the homing ability of a mother cat to return to her kittens after being separated. So I'm assuming, you know, that they they 
physically removed the mom and she returned to her kittens like seven times after being separated by distances of one to four miles. So that was an interesting study. And then in 1954, German researchers tested cats by placing them in this really big maze. So think of a like a round maze that has lots of openings around the edges. And so you, you can go out and, and there's a variety of ways to go through the maze and a variety of exits out along the side. And they found that the majority of the times the cat used the exit that was closest to their home, you know, and, but the families moving and cats crossing the country to find them are, you know, are, are anecdotal, like I said, and they're, they're not really valid scientific study material. So, you know, those, they weren't really done in a controlled setting. So it's, it's difficult to tell. Those were the only two real significant scientific studies. And again, they were quite old. So, you know, who knows? Maybe more work needs to be done in that area to unravel the mysteries of a cat. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, like they're not mysterious any other time. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, our whole program is about unraveling the mysteries of a cat. <laughs> Behavioral problems is unraveling the right? mysteries Why do they of do the cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just this is just an outskirt to the real true mystery of cats. So, <laughs> so if a cat parent moves. They can be confident that their indoor, outdoor cat can find their way home right away, or no, they... I, w I wouldn't go that far. I think it's, you know, it's it's certainly much more safe to confine a cat to a new home indoors at least a month to allow for time for them to imprint on the new locations and smells and things like that. Because if you don't, they they just might want to return to your old home, you know. But personally, I think cats you know, should be indoors only, you know, and if you're, and if you're not only, you know, give them catios, walk them on leashes, that way they get that experience of the outdoors. Yeah. So if someone has an indoor outdoor cat and it goes missing for 24 hours, should they be worried? Depends well, where you're at, if you're like where yeah. you have been in places, you know, you want to be worried because, you know, maybe a bobcat. Right. Or lots of predators here. Lots but, of predators, yeah. But Most it's, people are worried. And then that's why a lot of people don't let their cats outdoors and where we are. But it's not, it's not uncommon for a cat to be gone a day and sometimes days. And, you know, if the family leaves the cat outside when they go out of town, the cats sometimes seem to sense when they're back and the cats will come back when the families come back. But, you know, most people who, who have cats are kind of used to them being gone a day here, a day there, a couple days. And this is why the redemption rate at the shelter is so low. We call it return to owner, RTOs. And nationwide, the, the number of cats that are returned to their owners and shelters is less than 2%. 
And that's why the trend in sheltering across the country is to return all strays to the neighborhood that they were found in, especially if they're well-fed and their coat is clean, has somebody's cat. And so if we keep that cat in the shelter and adopt it out again, you know, there's also been studies done that show that there's a 50-50 chance of people, you know, 50 over 50% of people let their cats outside is what I'm trying to say. And so if I keep this friendly stray cat in the shelter thinking, well, I want it to have an indoor home. It deserves to be with somebody who won't let it outside. Well, I've still only got a 50-50 shot of adopting it to someone who's actually going to keep it indoors. So return that cat to the neighborhood. And if it's and if it's not friendly and it's clearly an outside cat and it's healthy, well, then we know they're thriving in that neighborhood. Either people are putting food out for them or they've got a reliable food source. And there's no sense in us spending resources and time trying to tame that cat and get it adopted. Return it to where it goes. And, and that is a trend thankfully, finally, across the country. And a lot of people have problem with that. But when you think about, you know, no one's coming to get this cat. <laughs> Less than 2% are returned to owners. And I'd be interested to know what percentage of that less than 2%, those cats were microchipped. And that's how, you know, their owners were contacted and they came in to get them. And and in a lot of cities in the municipal shelters, you know, we're we're beginning to look at the stray hold times. So, you know, it's it's always kind of been seven days. We're going to hold an animal seven days and give its owner time to come claim it. Well, I get that with dogs. Actually, if your dog's missing and it takes you a week to get to the shelter, unless you've been out of town, something's, something's wrong there. You know, you should go to the shelter immediately. But cats are a little different story because, you know, they may be indoor, outdoor, and free roaming. Your dog should be fenced in a backyard. He's not free roaming. So we really theoretically shouldn't be holding them at all. We should be spaying and neutering them if they're not so that we can cut down on the, you know, ungodly number of, of feral cats out there, microchipping them, you know, that kind of thing, returning them to their neighborhood as fast as possible so that we don't expose them to diseases in the shelter. And so they don't lose that homing instinct. You know, the longer they're gone, then the, the more chance that their resources dry up or another cat will take their place in a colony and then they'll have some friction trying to get back into their routines. So, you know, um, yeah, it's not, I, I kind of got off on a tangent there. Sorry, a little shelter tangent. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's it's also a debatable item. You know, we've talked about things in the past and you and I've kind of seen this, uh, you know, where where that works pretty well and it helps to keep down mice and rat populations in places, big cities like Dallas and things like that. But then, you know, you have other places where cats have taken over and, and they decimate bird populations or they do other stuff. So it's a real debatable kind of thing, but it, it's been a, a good proven uh, return to neighborhoods and stuff in, in the Dallas area, as we've seen, and the barn Absolutely. cat program was really good. Uh, you know, it actually and, keeps the, the feral cat population down because it's just like, 
If you take cats out of a colony, then it leaves a void and more cats come in. And they may not be spayed and neutered. And so then they're multiplying. It's kind of like sticking your finger in a bucket of water. You take your finger out and, of course, the water goes back. It's just like that. They will they will populate to an area as much as that territory will allow. So we want to make sure that we're returning those cats quickly so that that colony doesn't get disrupted and uh, doesn't have new people, new cats coming in and, and taking over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of getting back on track a little bit here, it seems like cats get spooked by things outside and might just hide when they're outside instead of trying to home their way <laughs> back to someplace. You know, that, yeah, that that's seems true. to be the real more natural component, right? Yeah, especially if it's shy cat, you know, and, and if your cat is kind of jumping and shy, you definitely, you, you never want to just assume that your cat is going to find its way home because of these, you know, wonderful stories of a cat crossing the Australian outback for a thousand miles, you know, don't just yeah. go, oh, he'll find his way home, how he did, you know, yeah. if your cat's missing for 24 hours, you need to go to the shelters. You need to absolutely make sure if you're letting your cat outside that it's microchipped, you know, and, and you've got a collar with a tag, you know, there's some really funny ones out there that say, oh shit, I'm lost. And like Pico has one that says, hi, my name is Pico. And yeah. if I'm outside <laughs> without my mom, <laughs> and yeah. I'm in trouble, call her right away. <laughs> and um, so you need to do that. But you know, more importantly, I guess, don't let your cats outside. And, you know, if you do, keep them indoors, like I said, for at least a month, you know, when you get to a new location. They say that two-thirds of missing cats are never found by their owners. So do not rely on your cat's homing instinct to get back home, you know. Well, and that makes I, so much more sense. I mean, just thinking about the calculation of and and that one cat going a thousand miles and we just did numbers based on what that is and that right that's like one in a billion kind of things that could happen i mean it's not exactly. realistic but it is definitely and you know in that in that same german maze study that i talked about they also took young cats and did that. And the young cats really had no homing abilities at all. And so we don't really know why is that developed later in life. But absolutely, if you've got a young cat, you want to keep it indoors. You don't want to start letting cats outside until they're older if they want to go. But, um, you know, it, it, they may not be able to find their way home. And, and certainly, like we said, if your cat's shy or easily spooked or confused, that's also going to impact their homing ability. So how far does a cat typically roam anyway from home? That's a good question. And and we do have research on that because they've put little, you know, trackers on cat collars and things like that. And they, they watch how far they go and what paths they go in and things like that. And it's it's kind of interesting. But but the average outdoor cat travels about five hundred feet from its home. You know, and, and of course many cats find their way home from much farther distances than that. But, you know, at about of a third of a mile, 
the cat's ability to determine which way is home gets affected. You know, yeah. and there's there's so many dangers out there. I mean, you know, the fact that that cat made it a thousand miles is crazy because, you know, like I said, there's traffic, there's diseases they can pick up when they run into other yeah. cats or they fight with other cats and and get hurt and injured and lots of predators. I mean, there's predators in cities, you know, there's there's just so much that could happen to a cat, you know, when they're free roaming outside like that. That, uh, you know, that's, you just think about the possibilities. I mean, I cringe just because everything that we always talk about on this podcast is don't let your cat out. Don't let your cat out. Indoor cat only. You know, and to think about cats outside, and I know we talk about successes with cats outside, but we also know a lot of friends who've let their cats out and then they just all of a sudden disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, And the exactly. next thing you know, you see little posters all over you know, looking for their cat, looking for their cat. And then the next thing you know, they get a new cat and they let that one outside. And, you know, and yeah. We've, and we've a year seen... later, you're going through the same cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you it's... know, and I have people that say, you know, cat a cat gets so much enrichment from outside and it should be outside. That's natural to the species. And I and I get that. And I, I totally agree with that. And that's why we build catios. Lots of yeah. them. You know, because, <laughs> yes, I want him to have that enrichment and to be able to go out there and breathe the fresh air and watch the birds and things like that. And, you know, catch mice that are silly enough to come into his catio. I want him to have those experiences. Absolutely. But within the safe confines of a catio so that the coyotes and the bobcats and things don't eat him. Yeah. You know, and and that's always a concern. And it's not always the same. It's not every cat that goes outside is going to get eaten or taken or whatever. We know people that have cats that that go in and out outside all the time and are uh, survived for long periods of time. But, you know, the chances are much greater, of course, by leaving uh, a cat outside. So what do you think an indoor cat's life is it longer than an outdoor Oh, yeah. Life? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. By a lot, you know. Indoor cats have an average life expectancy of more than 12 years longer than outdoor cats. So, wow. you know, indoor cats are living, you know, upper teens and 20s now. And outdoor cats, like, five to eight years because of all the things that can happen out there. So, Yeah. yeah. You know, and I got to tell the story about um, Pico the other day, our cat, um, found a way outside. I mean, uh, he's getting really smart when we leave the screen doors closed. He's able to put a little claw in there and open a little bit and then a little bit more. And he's figuring out how to kind of open the latch and kind of get out. And he got out away from us. And we freaked out, of course. And it's of course, it's nighttime, night, right? Nighttime, it's black. And, you know, I grab a flashlight, go one direction. Molly grabs a flashlight and goes the other direction. And you know, we're calling and 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 going around. And you know, we're worried because he's an indoor cat, and you know, he he loves to go outside and he loves to play around, but he also gets skittish. You know, every little thing kind of scares him when he's out there, or you know, certain things. But then he gets distracted, so. You know, we worry that he kind of fumbles around out there, and we finally found him, though. Yeah, thank that God. Was, yeah, thank <laughs> God. We were both worried to to death, you know, because of a lot of things that Molly talks about here. 
It would be really horrible to have to be coming on this show to go, yeah, and we lost our cat, Pico, too, and he hasn't found his way home yet. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, we're going to put a little homing device on him, maybe, you know, say, okay, where are you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Come on home. Not a a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, you know, one of those, you know, they have those apps for Live 360 kind of things, you know, but uh, you put that, maybe you can find some way to put something like that on a collar of a cat and have them, you know, know where they are at mm-hmm. all times. But, mm-hmm. you know, that takes batteries and, you know, you never know if that's out. And about the time they get out is about the time the battery goes dead. So I don't think there's a perfect way of doing anything other than just keep your cats inside. Keep them inside <laughs> if you don't want them to get lost. I mean, Right, right, right. <laughs> so anyway, thank you, Molly, again for another great show and lots of great information and a very interesting topic for sure and Man, I, I really got to, I'm, I'm going to be awake tomorrow night thinking about, you know, a cat going a thousand miles and I'm going to do all the math in my head and I'm going to go, okay, <laughs> how the hell's that happen? You know, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not to say the story's not true, just trying to put some, some math to it. But <laughs> anyway, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to help support the work that Molly does. She really provides these resources for free. She works many behavior cases for low-income families and does just about anything to keep cats out of shelters, and she surely does do that. So if you also care about the plight of shelter cats, considering consider sending us a gratuity donation. Uh, it's super easy. She's made it super easy. So you just go to the store the Cat Behavior Solutions website, scroll down past the products to the bottom, and there you can find donation amounts to put in your cart and check out. But don't just, I mean, well, you could just go and make a donation and check out. That's greatly appreciated. But while you're there, go ahead and get some some toys. As a matter of fact, we make a a little pack. You know, I call it the love pack, and uh, and it's items that I think you know cats need. So you get a little kit, and um, and this one this month's is is very fun. So go out there and look. It's on our store, which is at catbehaviorsolutions.org. So while you're there, get some get some fun stuff for Kitty too, and then send us a donation because you know we don't make any money personally out of this at all, not a dime. There are no salaries. All Cat Behavior Solutions is is volunteer based. It's Dewey and Sharon donating her time graciously, and I. It's really the three of us, and and we get a lot of work done. We I work a lot in shelters, and shelters make donations to Cat Behavior Solutions, and then I don't take any money out of that. So I, all of my time is uh, is donated, and um, we certainly don't get paid to do this podcast. In fact, that that costs us money to be hosted on Voice America. So if you can help us out, you know we we dig into our own personal pockets a lot to uh, to make all this available to you. So anything you can do to help is greatly appreciated. And go out there on Facebook and find us as well and Instagram and, and check out the blog on the site and things like that. Because we're all about helping you to bond better with your cat and um, fix problems, of course, behavior problems that might be arising. And we're going to do this as long as shelter, shelter euthanasia, euthanasia is, is the number, the number one, one cause, cause of death, of death in, in cats. cats. 
Yes, we Yay. are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, until next time, keep calm and purr on. Yes, thank you, and goodbye, everybody. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.